This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Space Train. Previously on Space Train, Doug and his purple rocket lost the rocket competition, and Doug discovered a mysterious ticket to board the space train under his pillow. And now, Episode 2, Gravity for Breakfast. Doug was in a blissful sleep, dreaming about the flight of his purple rocket, when suddenly he was awakened by a whistle. Doug shot up in bed. What the? 
He rubbed the sleep from his eyes. Colorful lights beamed through the cracks in the window blinds. They danced across his face and the wall behind him. His eyes bolted to the alarm clock. 4 a.m. sharp. He fumbled under his pillow for the ticket and held it out for another look. Space train, he whispered. That's it. That's the signal. He quickly tucked the ticket in his pajama pocket and ran for the front door. Before he opened it, he took a deep breath. Doug's jaw dropped. Floating mid-air in his front yard was a shiny silver train. No wheels or tracks, just fans and vents keeping it hovering five feet off the ground. The colorful lights that lined the bottom made the grass beneath them glow. The door hissed open, and walking down steps that dispensed down to the ground was a shiny round person. Are you going to just stare at it or hop on? said the person at the bottom of the steps. Come along, we're running a tight schedule, we've much to do. Doug was speechless. He just stared at the smooth silver train cars that stretched down the neighborhood and around the mailbox. The man shrugged. Looks like he just came out for a look. Ta-ta, then. He started back up the steps. Wait! Doug ran up to him and handed him his ticket. The man smiled. Welcome aboard, Captain Colt, he said as he tore the ticket's stub. Captain, Doug thought. Did he just call me Captain? Slowly, he made his way up the steps, which retracted back into the train behind him. Inside, the train's cabins were spacious, quite roomy. The first car was full of blinking lights, monitors, and panels. Towards the front were a handful of tall chairs. The round man who took his ticket sat in one of them. But a man he was not. Now in the light, Doug could see he was made completely of metal. A silver armor covered in geared joints and flickering panels. His round body came up to a pleasant round metal face with a golden curled mustache. The name's Goro. I'll be your conductor, Captain, he said. What are you? Doug asked. The metal man's stiff mustache turned up as the little screen beneath it displayed a smile. I am a third-class A5000 advanced series pilot android, of course. Doug gave him a blank look. I'm a robot. Oh. Now, Captain, if you will please make your way to the rear cabins, we will begin our ascent. I think it best we don't make headlines in this morning's news. So go on, the others are waiting for you. The others? Doug walked to a door that slid open once he reached it. When he walked through the other side, he stopped. Lydia? Doug! Lydia ran over and gave him a hug. What's going on? Doug asked. I I don't know. I just got a ticket, and then this showed up at my front door. Crazy, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Come on, I'll introduce you to the rest of the passengers. Take your seats, please. Preparing for takeoff. Doug and Lydia sat next to the others. Doug, meet Dallas. Dallas, this is Doug. A big, strong boy dressed as a cowboy, boots and all, looked around the room like he was in a candy shop. Dude, how fast you guys think this thing can go? A gazillion miles an hour? He said. Odd. 
The kid looked like a cowboy, but he sure didn't talk like one. Nice to meet you too, replied Doug. Lydia rolled her eyes and then pointed to a quiet skinny boy with curly blonde hair in the corner. His name's Leo. I only know that because Goro told us. He doesn't talk much. Doug nodded back to Leo, who only acknowledged him with a slight lift of his eyebrows. Hold on, said Goro over the speaker. Everyone slammed back into their seats as the space train blasted off into the sky. Doug could feel his cheeks being pulled back from the steep acceleration. All right, a gazillion miles an hour, baby, shouted Dallas. Clouds whizzed by the windows that soon turned orange and looked like they were on fire. But before they could burst, they were filled with darkness. Darkness sprinkled with twinkling lights. And then the moon in all its glory, a perfect gray ball with shadowed craters. And in a moment, Doug felt his arms lift by themselves. At first, he thought he was just feeling things. But then he actually saw them float up past his face on their own. Everyone started to gently float out of their seats. Lydia's red ponytail lifted up over her head. Pretty soon, their backs were up against the ceiling and they were looking down at the cabin below them. Whoa, said Doug. Lydia laughed. This is amazing! The door to the cabin hissed open and in floated Goro. Try not to move around too much, he said. I've turned off the gravity simulator so you can get used to how space feels. He floated up to the ceiling next to them. Uh, gravity? said Dallas, who was busy twirling in the air. That's right, gravity. It's what keeps you on the ground back on Earth. Every planet has it to some extent. The bigger the planet, the bigger or stronger the gravity. Doug looked a little confused, so Goro continued. For example, Mars is smaller than Earth, so if you were to ride your bike off a ramp on Mars, you would go higher and take longer to come back down because the gravity there is weaker than it is on Earth. Up here in space, we are further away from the strength of Earth's gravity, which would normally hold us to the ground. That is why you are experiencing weightlessness and floating like a feather. Dude skis, check it out! Dallas bounced off the wall and did a trick, clearly not listening to a word Goro said. Pretty cool, Dallas, said Lydia. I will do my best to instruct you on the basics of space. That is part of why you are here, after all. Why else are we here? Doug asked. Ah, only the bravest and brightest of children are chosen to board the space train. Apart from learning the ways of the galaxy, you will embark on missions for the good of your planet. Maybe even save it a time or two. Why not pick our parents? asked Lydia. Goro's stash shot up with a smile. Because, my dear, up here it is imagination that we need. The higher your mind is in the clouds, the better. Adults' minds are fogged by earthly experiences. Children are better able to adapt to the tricky situations of deep space. Dear me, where are my manners? Shall I give you a tour? Yeah, they all said in unison. Hold on to something while I turn the artificial gravity back on. Goro pulled a lever, making everyone fall back into their seats and making Dallas face planet mid-flip. Ouch, he said. Come along. The kids followed as Goro led them into the next car. Welcome to the Cosmic Cafe. This is where you will eat, of course. Difficult to fix the universe on an empty stomach. 
The room was full of incredible smells and warmth that drifted from the cooking pots and pans. One station had a sign that read Cosmic Creamery and was manned by a female robot. She stirred cream in a blur, poured foreign chocolate treats into it, threw it into a box that turned it into perfectly sculpted sundaes, and then lowered a little metal hat over it that dropped a dollop of whipped cream on top. Another station slowly turned bulks of juicy meat while robotic arms sprayed it with seasonings and sauces like an automatic car wash. There must have been ten different stations. Everywhere Doug turned, a new delicious smell filled his nostrils. Moving along, said Goro to groans from the kids. In here we have the train wreck, a recreational facility for all your diversion needs. Exercise is of the utmost importance in space. The huge car had a basketball and tennis court, different sports simulators and games that Doug had never even seen before. He couldn't wait to try the home run simulator with the wraparound screen. Now that I've told you a little bit about gravity, how about we have some fun with it? He pulled the lever on the wall and immediately Doug and the others began to lift off the ground and float into the air. Doug noticed that Dallas's cowboy hat wasn't floating off his head as it should be. What's with the hat? asked Doug. Shh, it may or may not be clipped to my hair right now said Dallas. Goro tossed them a basketball that floated towards them like a bubble. Let's see you play a game of basketball with no gravity. Doug, you and Leo will be on one team, Lydia and Dallas on the other. He lifted a whistle to his digital mouth and blew. Go! Dallas kicked his feet off the wall and flew for the ball. He grabbed it and bounced off another wall towards the basket. I got him, said Doug as he flew through the air like Peter Pan to intercept Dallas. But before he could reach him, Dallas threw the ball down into the hoop. Swish! Woohoo! shouted Lydia. Nice shot! She glided over to Dallas and gave him a high five. Doug and Leo got the ball next. Leo bounced it on the ground a couple of times and then threw it off the wall before Lydia could snag it. The ball ricocheted off the wall and floated perfectly into Doug's hands, who was waiting by the hoop. Slam! He threw it down for a point. Back and forth they went bouncing off walls and ceilings, passing and shooting the hovering ball, until it was tied, ten to ten. Next point wins, announced Goro. Lydia ran sideways along the wall, bouncing the ball and juking Leo with a quick spin. The basket was wide open. She shot. Just as it was halfway to the hoop, Doug glided in from nowhere and snagged it out of the air. Get him, Dallas cried. But it was too late. Doug was already running along the ceiling and directly above the basket. He pushed off it and slammed it down into the hoop. Very good, team. Now you know how it would feel to play a game without gravity, said Goro. Time we brought you back down and continued the tour. He switched the lever and everyone landed hard on the court, especially Dallas, who was practically at the ceiling when the lever was pulled. He landed with a thud. Oh. Dude, he said. Come on then, no time to lose, said Goro, marching past them. The kids practically jogged to keep up with him as he robotically continued his tour to the next room. Through here we have the planetarium, perhaps the most important car of the entire train. It is here that you will be briefed on your missions and receive critical instruction to perform your duties. The room had a giant domed ceiling, and below it were several tall chairs that leaned back to face it. 
In the middle of the chairs was a large round table with a projector that cast giant images of planets and galaxies onto the round ceiling above. Images that put Doug's little glow-in-the-dark stickers to shame. Goro looked at the time on a screen built into his hand. Oh, I'm afraid we're out of time. The sun will rise soon and I need to get you back home before then. My, how time flies. But what's through the other door? Doug asked. What there? Oh, a number of other cabins I'm afraid you'll have to wait to explore. And one you will never enter nor entertain the thought of entering. Now he had Dallas's attention. Whoa, wait. What are we talking about? Forbidden rooms? The caboose. The very last car on the train. Goro touched a button on the table and a projection of the car shone on the screen above. Warm light, smoke, and weird noises spilled through the bottom crack in the caboose's door. It is an area designated only for emergencies and is to never be approached. Your lives may depend on it. Are we clear? Everyone nodded, even Leo, who had been silently trailing behind. Good. What's that? asked Lydia. Goro glanced down at the screen in his hand. After a few taps and a swipe, he looked up. It appears something has bumped into the Cosmic Cafe window. Quick, everyone to the command center. Goro and the group ran back to the command center where Goro took a seat and brought an image up on the screen. Let's see if I can grab it with the outer arms. Give me a moment and I'll bring it in. They watched as Goro grabbed a joystick and controlled the outer arms on the outside of the train. The arms moved and swiveled until they grabbed hold of the object and brought it in through a trap door. Shall we take a look? said Goro. Goro left the room briefly and then returned, holding an odd plastic object in his metal hands. Does this look familiar to any of you? Goro asked, holding the object out for us to see. Lydia gasped. Doug, it's your rocket! Sure enough, there in all its glory was the purple rocket, a little charred from its journey but miraculously still intact. No way, Doug said under his breath. Dallas didn't look as impressed. Um, dudes, it's a soda bottle. Leo silently lifted his finger and pointed to a small object inside. Goro scanned its contents with his eye scanners. By golly, the boy's right. It appears there's something inside. Lydia and Doug exchanged a curious look. Neither remembered there ever being anything inside the rocket. They stepped in closer while Goro unscrewed the cap and took out a piece of paper. In the blink of an eye, Goro scanned the message and then froze. Well, what does it say? asked Lydia. Goro handed her the paper and she brought it in close for her and Doug to read. Dear Space Train, she read aloud, It has come to our attention that you have embarked on a new generation of crusades. Your trek has come at an opportune moment for us as we are in dire need of your assistance. At the rate of 20,000 gallons a minute... Our water is drying up. Without it, our people and all life on this planet will become extinct. We beg of you, space train cadets. We have nowhere else to turn. With respect, Admiral Rizzo Rames of the Republic of Mars. Lydia slowly put down the message. There's life on Mars? said Doug. Oh yes, Captain, said Goro. You'll soon learn there's life everywhere. Congratulations, team. You all have officially received your first mission. Better get you home. You're going to need plenty of rest. 
We're going to Mars? Lydia asked. No, not yet. First you need to make it home in time for breakfast and then go to school. Tomorrow morning, same time, we will embark. Doug looked at the tall seats in the cockpit and finally noticed the names engraved on them. Each of their names stretched across a seat. The one closest to Goral read, Captain Douglas Colt. He'd never seen his name on anything before, let alone a train that flies through space. He took his seat, as did the others, and once they were all strapped in, Goro pushed a few levers and they raced back to Earth. Let's get you a little gravity for breakfast, said Goro, picking up speed. The train whizzed through neighborhoods, dropping everyone off at their doorstep and then zipping down the street. Goro pushed the train faster and faster, trying to beat the light from the rising sun. Finally, they stopped and the door opened. Waiting on the other side was Doug's little front yard. He walked down the dispensing stairs and stopped on the grass. But what if, he started to say, but when he turned around, the space train was gone. The front door opened behind him. Doug, what are you doing out there? came his dad's voice. Doug turned and looked at his dad. I just... He wanted so badly to tell his dad everything, to tell him about the train, Goro, and the message in the rocket, but he knew he couldn't. After all, who would believe such a thing? I just came out to watch the sunrise, he said. His dad smiled. Okay, whenever you're done, we've got blueberry pancakes waiting for you. And with that, he went back inside. Doug looked at his feet firmly planted in the grass that only moments ago floated like feathers in space. After a long breath, he put his hand in his pocket and squeezed the silver ticket inside. listening to Space Train. Join us next time to find out whether or not Doug and the Space Train cadets can make it to Mars in time to save it. <laughs>